Everyone struggles with fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, or some emotional issue. But what if I told you that you could exchange that life for one of victory? Are you interested? My name is Mark McKinn, and I'm joined with Dr. John Woodward. And together, we want to guide you into a complete and victorious identity in Christ. Our desire is for everyone to know Christ as Savior, Lord, and life, so that you can live victoriously, disciple strategically, and counsel effectively. Welcome to Glimpses of Grace. Welcome to Glimpses of Grace, and we are in the offices of Grace Fellowship International here for episode number 30. It's a big number. A very encouraging number as we look back on all the topics we covered last year. We were reflecting back on the different themes, and I know if no one else has been blessed, you and I have listening to them again. Yeah, I I think my mom listens, so that's, uh, (laughs) that's good. So we have a couple of people, and you know, it is amazing, and I know I always ask for it, but it really blows my mind every time I hear someone say something about glimpses of grace, and sometimes even where they're hearing it from. I just never dream that people from somewhere else in the world outside of the United States would ever hear glimpses of grace. So for those of you that are listening, welcome. We're so glad that you are here, and hopefully you can understand us through our southern accent, or maybe I should say my southern accent. I don't know what accent I have, Mark, whether it's New Jersey, Georgia, Florida, traveling Canada, or East Tennessee, kind of a blend. You know, John, you really have this such a soothing voice accent. It's like, it just makes me, it makes me like feel good. It's all the microphone, Mark. <laughs> Oh, well, that's good. Well, how are you doing today, sir? Fine. Good to uh, come back to the studio to uh, talk about a very important topic today. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, and one that I think we have covered some, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper in. But it's definitely a part of something that I've been talking to a lot of people about in coaching, and I'm excited to share about it here on uh, the podcast. But before we do, uh, we like to start out with some scripture. So what do you have for us today? Let's look at Romans chapter 15. Um, before the broadcast, we were talking about our devotional reading in God's Word and how much we're being fed uh, through the Scriptures. And in chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So that means both Old and New Testaments are God's Word and relevant. We need to interpret them from a New Covenant perspective, as it's been said, um, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Mm. And then later on in the chapter, verse 16 of chapter 15, it talks about, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's verse 13. And um, we all need hope, don't we, Mark? Right. How encouraging that both of these verses talk about the hope that God gives us through the Scriptures and also through the blessing of His grace in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Well, before we jump in, I noticed that you have a new book over there on your side of the table, so do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. This came in the mail this week from our friend John Van Gelderen of Revival Focus Ministries. It's called The Gospel to Saints. Mm. How's that for a title? I like it. It's a devotional study of Romans chapters 6, 7, and 8. And uh, Mark, I know you'll enjoy me reminding you that John invited my wife and I to 
minister with him in Ireland a few years ago. <laughs> you know, we need to go back a couple of episodes to the rejection one, and oh. I'll listen to that one after you talk about this. But you're a landowner in Ireland, aren't you? I am, yeah. Okay. I'm a lord. Let me make sure that everybody understands. Lowercase l, lord of Kerry, Ireland. Now, how did that happen? I think it's a scam maybe, but uh, one of those things that you buy online, and I bought one for my dad just because I thought he would love it, and he did. And then one of my sons bought one for me, and then my wife bought one for him. And so, yeah, we're we're little lords of Ireland. We are supposedly owning a one-by-one square foot of land. (laughs) And so my goal is to go to Cary, Ireland and find this field. I hope it's what's my dream, right? My dream is this rolling, beautiful Irish field that I can go in and, I don't know, put a big sign that says Mark the Conqueror and I can just take everybody <laughs> else's land like they did back in the yeah, medieval times. It can be hard to figure out what to build on on that huge, fast property. But um, so John and um, his team, we ministered uh, near Dublin in Southern Ireland. Um, and we're so grateful for the the church uh, there that hosted these meetings about the Christ-centered life. And so um, Brother Van Gelderen also invited me to speak at um, the Christ's Life Seminar in Michigan, near where uh, his ministry is based. So when he sent us this book, The Gospel to Saints, I was really happy to receive it because the subtitle, Mark, is The Good News of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And when we think about good news— we realize that that's what the word gospel means. And it's intriguing that this is not talking about primarily the gospel of how to be saved, but the good news of how, as a born-again Christian, how can I have a more victorious life? And that's a good segue, I hope, to what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, definitely. Maybe I should say this if I could go back for a second. If you're listening in Ireland, send me an email. I can send you the coordinates of my land and you can... Take a picture of it for me. Yeah, take a picture and send it over. <laughs> Unless it's like a parking lot, then just don't 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 do that. Yes, you're right. So we are going to talk about uh, you call this the Romans Road. It is a Romans Road. It's not just the Romans Road. A lot of people when they hear that, they're going to think about evangelism and Romans three twenty three, and uh, of course that's an amazing way of sharing the gospel, no doubt. But one of the things, John, that I have been talking to a lot of people in coaching is this. We know a lot of information, but I am not sure that we fully trust the knowledge we know. And the reason is, is because a lot of times when I'm coaching someone, and I've even used this in counseling, and I will say something, the answer is, oh, I know that. It really made me think about something myself, and that is, what is it that I know, but do I trust it? So can I tell you a a quick story that kind of brought me here was in thinking about my past, and this was a time that I was coming through Grace Fellowship, and I'll be honest, and and please, I I would not say this is how you should pray, but I'm just going to be honest. This is where I was on a particular day. I remember saying, God, I want you to come here right now to my office, sit down right there on that couch, and I got some questions, and I want answers. I was so angry. And I wasn't necessarily angry at God. I was just angry with where I was. And I remember just saying, I just want you to to come in physical form, 
and I want you to sit down, and I want you to answer my questions. And one of my questions, John, was I want to know why this particular bad moment happened in my past. Then it hit me. No matter what he says, I won't like the answer. And in fact, I realized that my rebuttal already would be, even not knowing the answer, would be, no, you're God, do it another way. And I really felt like the Spirit of God saying, you're not wanting an answer, you're wanting an eraser. Hmm. And it hit me, I don't trust you. I don't trust that what happened to me, that, you know, were you on vacation? Did you turn your head? Were you asleep? Did you get up and go get a drink of water? And then boom, that that's what happened to me. And I've just realized that I think that's a story for a lot of people that are listening to the podcast is they they want that too. They, they have something that's happened in their life and they're saying, and I, I want an answer. The problem is, is that you won't like it. Whatever the answer would be, because it may not even be that God caused it, it could be the sin of the world that we live in, the enemy. I mean, there's a lot of factors at play here. But I'll, I'll say this, and then we can jump in. What I'm going to say will not bring you peace, but when you believe it, it will bring you freedom. And that is, God, you are God, and you can do whatever you want to. Now, if you say that to someone that's hurting, that doesn't that is, oh, thank you, I feel so much better. But when I really began to be able to say that, and not just say it, but I, be, I really believed it, that, God, you are God, you are in control, you are sovereign, you're good, you're just, you're powerful, you're all-knowing, you are everywhere present, you did not leave me alone. Even in that moment that I was talking about, I wasn't even a believer. That's just really, you know, caused me to have a lot of, you know, a lot of questions, but I have found answers. But I think with the people that I'm coaching, that's a question I'm asking them. What is it that you know, but then do you really trust that? Because I think a lot of times in the church, here's what we get. If you know it, do it. And we've talked about that on the podcast before. That's not the way to do. And so you have a Romans road, another Romans road that you take people down. And I want us to walk through that together today. And I think when we talk about the difference between knowing something and really trusting is that trusting has to do with the person, right? Mm -hmm. So a person may be wrestling with the problem of suffering, which you very uh, poignantly described some of the the raw emotional questions we might ask. But do we really trust God's heart? We've heard the expression, we may not understand God's hand. In other words, what he does or allows, but we can trust his heart, the same heart that was broken when our Lord went to the cross, according to the divine plan to be our Redeemer. And so we're trusting his heart, trusting his love, trusting his wisdom. And isn't that where Job ended up at the end of that amazing book about uh, why does a God uh, of love allow suffering? And uh, friends, uh, that's the bottom line of that book, is to know that God is sovereign, that Satan and the demonic realm and the free choice of sinful people are real, but God is uh, good, and he will overrule that for our well-being. And so we're talking about going from knowledge to trust, and someone might say, um, we might talk about a road from one place to another. Oh, I, I know about that road, but the question is, have you walked down mm-hmm. that road? Have yeah. you traversed that road? And that's a big difference. There is. Yeah. And so we're going to look at um, primarily Romans chapter 6. So friends, if you have your Bible handy, uh, we'd love for you to turn 
there or uh, go there in your electronic Bible. So Rome was known for the vast network of roads that it built during especially the first century. And those roads actually were very um, beneficial to our early missionaries of going from country to country, sharing the gospel. And so even now, if you travel to that part of the world, you can see some of these famous roads still there 2,000 years later. So the Romans road, our Lord himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're going to be looking at um, these key passages in Romans, which Mark, you and I have alluded to from time to time because they're so central to the truths of our identification with Christ. But we find it helpful just to look at them in context, asking the question, how do we go from knowing about identification to experiencing Christ as our life? In other words, to go from doctrine to experience, from theology to testimony. Yeah. So the first thing that we do is we need to acknowledge there is truth that we know, and there is truth we need to know. Of course, you mentioned um, Romans chapter 6, and of course one of the verses there that we use that we talk about is Romans chapter 6, verse 6, and I'll read that from uh, the New King James, and it just says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That's a truth we need to know. You know, our old man was crucified. Our old man has been rendered inoperative. Doesn't work. So you and I living in the flesh is not the way to victory. It is not the road that we want to take. In fact, just staying in the book of Romans, Romans 8.8 8 talks about the fact that in the flesh we cannot please God. And so when we look at this first step of uh, traversing the Romans road, the key word, friends, if you're going to write down four words with us, the first word is know, K-N-O-W. What are we to know? The truths that Mark just read. What is the old man, the old person? Is who you were in Adam before salvation. And that person, past tense, was crucified with Christ. Check the original language grammar. It's not something you're supposed to do or God hopes you will do. It's something that has already happened. Mm-hmm. Mark, there are many parallels between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of abundant living. For example, I believe there are millions of people who would consider themselves Christian but really are trusting in tradition or religious activity to be right with God. But just like the Jews in the first century that had right Bible doctrine, but tragically were trusting in their own works rather than the Lord Jesus, many professing Christians are missing out on the gospel because perhaps they've never actually heard that being a child of God is not about just being baptized as a child or going to church or reciting a creed. It's a personal relationship with God. In other words, there is some truth that we need to know, to know that Jesus died for us, rose again, and that that good news can bring eternal life to us. Mm -hmm. So many need to actually understand the plan of salvation. And friends, that's in Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Great passage to review, as you've been doing, Mark, in your personal Bible study lately. Yeah. And then, of course, the things that we also need to know is not just that Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected, but so were we. And that's the whole foundation of our ministry. And in fact, if you're just now listening to the podcast, maybe you just started with season two, 
go back to you know episodes six, seven, eight, and nine because John, you and I break down. You know what do we really mean when we say we were crucified with Christ? That's an entire episode, or that we were buried with Him, resurrected with Him, and those are are just great truths that we need to know. And in fact, another verse that we talk about, Colossians three three. You know, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's a great truth because that's assurance. That's security, especially when you take the next verse, verse 4, which Paul basically is talking about the fact that when Christ returns, all of us in Christ are coming with him. You know, so these are amazing truths. And again, everybody listening may say, I know that. The next step, though, I think is very important. And so you mentioned the words. Here would be the second word, reckon on the truth. So know the truth is the first one, but reckon on the truth is the second one. Now, define that word for us because, you know, we live in the South. You may say to me, Mark, what are you going to do after work? And I guess, you know, I might say, I don't know, I reckon I'm going to go home. People from other parts of the world and up north, are they're saying, what is he saying? You know, R-E-C-K-O-N, reckon. It's probably not a word that most other people use. But the problem in the South, John, is that word here is basically defined as a guess. But that's not what the biblical term is. Right. Other translations might say, consider this to be true. So here the word is an accounting term, isn't it? Is mm-hmm. to count up, add up the facts. So we would say it this way, that is counting it to be true personally. Mm. It's a step of faith. And so our friend John Best, who taught uh, Greek at a seminary level for years, pointed out to us that this verse, Romans 6 verse 11, where it says, therefore reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive to God in Christ. That's the first command in the book of Romans in the original language. So something that's not automatic. So someone might say, well, I know about the doctrine of our co-death and co-resurrection with Christ. Great. Um, I wish everyone did. But then have we counted counted it to be true personally? And this reminds me of the parallel that I mentioned a moment ago, that many millions who consider themselves Christians are depending upon a creed or religious activity or tradition and not really understanding the plan of salvation. So they would need to know the plan of salvation, that Christ died for us and rose again, but then they would need to reckon it, we could say it that way, or to count it to be true. How? The Bible says, repent and believe the gospel. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them God gave the right to become children of God. So each of those words, right, Mark, are imperatives, they're commands, they're invitations. It's not automatic, um, but we need to receive Christ as our personal Savior. So in the same way, friends, as believers, we need to appropriate Christ as life. We need to count this blessed truth to be true personally so that Galatians 2.20 becomes our testimony. You mentioned this. I want to go back to it for a second because for those who may have never actually studied the book of Romans, they may not know that. But Romans 6.11, as you just said, is the first command in the book of Romans. That blows my mind. I remember hearing that when I was here in 2015. It just it astounds me because there is a ton of information 
contained in Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way up to, you know, even in the first part of Romans 6. So I want to point that out because, again, knowing the truth is so important. But if you don't reckon on the truth, if you don't trust it, then the information in your head will only remain in your head. We need transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I started saying years ago when I when I was preaching, and even now when I travel and speak, I'll say it sometimes. Honestly, we really don't need many more sermons. For a lot of us, we've heard enough sermons, meaning we don't just need more knowledge for our head. What we really need is the power of God to move within us and transform us from the inside out. And so this idea of trust is not just something that maybe you might say, oh, I did that, I trusted when I got saved, as you just said. No, this is a daily thing. And I think about, because if you don't trust God, then you're going to trust in yourself. So back to that Romans 8.8, 8, well, you can't please God in the flesh. And again, for those who might be new, by flesh I mean you acting independently of God, doing what you want, when you want, how you want. Well, Jesus himself even said, was it John 6.63, in the flesh profits nothing. One of the things I like to do, John, every morning, I say it out loud. If the flesh profits nothing, it profits me nothing, and it profits no one around me. It won't profit you, John. It won't profit our staff. It won't profit my wife, my kids, my friends, the people I communicate with, coach, counsel. But yet a lot of us are doing that. And we say we know, but my question is, have we trusted? And I love what you're saying there, counting it to be true to you, listener. Because you may say, of course it's true for you, John. You're the director of counseling for Grace Fellowship. Or of course it's true for you, Mark. You know, you're the executive director. Or of course it's true for my friend. He's the pastor of my church. Or this person's an elder at my church. But it's true for you. But one of the things that you've said, John, that I love it won't be true in you until you believe it. It's true of you already if you're in Christ. But we're saying this because we want it to be true in you. We want it to we want it to change your experiences to to show you the power that is in you. That's Holy Spirit. And these first two steps friends are so crucial to know the truth of your union with Christ, to count it to be true personally because they really come in this sequence, don't they, Mark? We need to discover the good news of the believer's union with Christ in his death and resurrection, but also to believe it. It reminds me of Watchman Nee's testimony, this famous uh, believer in China who wrote about 60-plus books and was in prison for many years. But he taught this message in such a powerful way in the book The Normal Christian Life, for example. But he mentions that for years he tried to reckon true his victory over sin and and his uh, victorious life. And but then one day he was with his Chinese Bible there studying it. Lord, I'm not going to leave this room until I know how to be crucified with Christ. He comes to Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that the old man was crucified and it dawns on him. No wonder I can't do it. It already happened. Wow. And then the light went on. Then he goes to verse 11. All right, because it has happened that the old me was canceled to Calvary, that I am new in Christ and raised with him then I need to believe that it's true. And that's what connects the electrical circuit, so to speak, of God's power. He actually runs down to tell somebody, I think he found the 
cook uh, cooking something there in the boarding house. He says, I'm dead, I'm dead. <laughs> it's like I realized what it means to be identified with Christ. So knowing comes first, but it doesn't end there. Like you said, Mark, it's not just a doctrine. It needs to be experiential. We need to believe it, to personalize it. And we want to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is the one who unveils the truth of what we are to know and also illumines how we can agree with God by faith. And I hope that people will listen to what you just said because there's a lot of freedom that you just gave people. And that is, it is not on you to re-crucify yourself every day. You're just trusting in what has already been done for you and to you. And I think for me... You know, before I came to Grace Fellowship, that was sort of the, you know, I got my spiritual hammer and my spiritual nails and I got to crucify myself because I have to die daily so that I can live for Christ. But what you just said, that's what brought freedom to watch my knee, but I hope it'll bring freedom to everybody listening. It's been done. You're now trusting Mm -hmm. the finished work of Christ on your behalf. And I think that's the, 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 the reason why today is so important. Again, knowing and trusting. Some of us have heard uh, Dr. Charles Stanley preach on these themes over the years. And a little history comment here. Dr. Solomon taught this uh, Romans Road at First Baptist Atlanta back around 1980. Then our, our former co, co-workers, uh, Bill and Annabelle Gillum, taught their seminar on victorious Christian living there a couple years later. And uh, both of those recordings uh, are still available even to this day to teach what we're talking about in these podcasts in a very powerful way. And I'm so thankful that, that Charles and, to some extent, Andy have been impacted by um, even those meetings. And I think uh, Louis Giglio said something of that nature as well, that these truths became more appreciated in his life yeah. uh, back in, in those years. And so, friends, you may be hearing these truths for the first time. Maybe you've You've uh, come across them in your Bible reading or devotional literature, but we hope that this podcast will be reminding you of it and maybe putting it into a more concise step-by-step process. We're talking Mm -hmm. about four words along this Romans road, to know, to reckon, and what comes next. Yeah, the next word is going to be yield or surrender, uh, but yield, yield to the truth. So yes, we there are things we need to know, we need to... Trust that. And then the third step here is yield. And here is why this one is important and why it's number three. You will never surrender to anything or to anyone that you don't trust. And I think, you know, we talk about there's things we need to know, and then we talk about surrender. But if we leave out trust, that's why we don't fully surrender. Mm -hmm. If I don't really fully trust God, I can't. I can, I won't give everything over to him. And yielding, as you said, Mark, flows out of that trust, out of that knowing and reckoning. And so here in Romans 6, um, verse 12 and 13, it says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of of righteousness to God. So we use the word yield in our seminar. The idea here is to present or to offer your eyes, your ears, your hands, the faculty of of speech and everything. You're saying, God, I want you to live through me, through this human vessel. And really, isn't that how our Lord Jesus modeled 
the um, the supernatural life. He said, I do nothing independently of myself, but what the Father is doing through me. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in, in through us, right? As we know and reckon and then yield to him to live through us. And the power of Holy Spirit that you just mentioned in us, that's the power of surrender. So let me point out something here because a lot of times people will kind of push back a little when we talk about surrender because they have in their minds, you know, maybe the movie of the person who's put a white flag on something, maybe in the middle of a battle and they're raising a white flag and then they give up. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about surrender. So surrender is not passivity. Episode 16 in the podcast, you can go and hear the difference between surrender and passivity. What we're saying is, is surrender is you acknowledging that Holy Spirit is in you and we're allowing him to work through us. So we're not wanting to block that flow. We're wanting him, needing him. That is the way that God has designed this to be. We are in Christ. He's in us and now he works through us. That's the power of Holy Spirit, Romans 8. The power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. And that's a choice that we have day by day, right? To to yield to him or to allow him to live through us or to allow the flesh to kind of take back control. And that's where we need that daily abiding disposition. When I'm reading the word instruments, Mark, it reminds me of my music days of playing um, musical instruments in high school band and the music group Internationals, where I met my wife playing trumpet and French horn. So some of you listening, you play guitar, piano, or some musical instrument. So the instrument is in the hand of the musician uh, to play the music. And it's amazing that God wants your body, which is a temple of the Holy Spirit, to be his instrument to show the life and love and truth of Jesus to those in your sphere of influence. And that's a privilege, but it's also a daily responsibility, isn't it? I love that picture because when you're saying that, I remember when I was learning to play guitar. I had my guitar, and the guy that was teaching me tuned it up real quick and did a little ditty on it, and then he gave it to me, and I couldn't do the little ditty because there was something greater. That's why it was my teacher. And so imagine now, I think that's a beautiful picture, is your life, as you just said, why would you want to use it on your own and try to do it on your own when Christ, who's greater, wants to use it to and do something better, bigger, more powerful? Right. Um, some of us have ventured onto a golf course. It's been years since I have. But imagine if your favorite professional golfer you know, says, uh, just let me hold your hands and swing the club through you and we'll will ace this course. I mean, that would be a good deal rather than me trying to uh, hit, you know, miss the ball or, or uh, slice it or curve it off, off the fairway. So just as this greater person, Mark, as you alluded to, the Holy Spirit in us can live this life of, of love, joy, and peace through us, how wise it is for us to yield to him. But as we've been saying, friends, this Romans road to abundant life is sequential. We need to know the truth. We need to reckon it true and then yield, yeah, and that leads us to yeah. also walking, which is our fourth mm. word, to walk. Mm-hmm. And so note that we didn't go from one to four. So we didn't say know it, do it, because that is a temptation that all of us have, especially if we've been sitting at coffee with somebody 
and you know they want our opinion and then we you know we give an opinion and then they say oh i know that all of us have the temptation to say well then do it why are you here but it's important that we go from what you know and then what do you trust what have you surrendered then you can walk in the truth and and again we go back here to Romans chapter 6 verse 4 therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father and then here it is even so we also should walk in the newness of life and notice that we like to use a more literal bible translation when it comes to uh, discerning finer points of bible doctrine you might have um, a more paraphrase type of Bible translation, which might be good for devotional reading, but sometimes uh, when it comes to clarified understanding of Scripture, it's good to have a more literal translation. And here it says that we should walk in newness of life. Walking is an idiom, isn't it, Mark, Mm -hmm. for uh, practical Christian living, for our daily life. And when you walk, you're walking one step at a time, and we live one day at a time. When you walk, you're walking in a certain direction, and we're walking, as John Bunyan would say, we're on this pilgrim journey to the celestial city. And as we talk about practical Christian living, again, we're notice this, noticing this sequence of knowing, reckoning, yielding, and now walking. And as we talk about this a little bit more in the new quality of life, it's not an imitation of trying to live a good life in our own strength, but it's a participation of Christ living in and through us. And as we look at this in our seminar, Mark, we talk about the focus of the walk and the fellowship of the walk. When you and I are walking, we need to look where we're going or we'll bump into something, right? Right. And it's great that um, we have a fellowship. Uh, some of you may go for walks you know, with a friend for exercise or whatever. It's great to walk with a friend that you can fellowship with. And we have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus himself uh, as our companion in life's journey. And so um, let's talk a little bit about the focus of the walk. Mark, what would come to your mind about what we need to remember and focus on as we walk with the Lord? One of the first ones that we talk about is focus on the person of Christ in you. He's not just with you, that's true, but he's in you. And of course, that was the promise of Jesus in the upper room with the disciples, uh, John 14 and 16, before he goes to uh, be crucified when he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Another of the exact same kind, the Greek there, paraclete, is not just going to be with you, he's going to be in you. You know, John, one of the things that I've been pointing out to people, and again, if I've said this on the podcast, I apologize, but you know, the whole idea of Paul being taught in Arabia for three years, he's being taught by the Spirit of God. And, of course, when he comes back, what is the theme of all of his writings? It's in Christ. We're in Christ, the power of Holy Spirit. But yet, it's not being preached a lot in churches. And so I think we need to have this focus. It's Christ in you. What does that mean? What does that look like? It's a big deal. So when we talk, we use the word focus um, as just our way of remembering a couple of these concepts, focus of our walk, the fellowship of our walk. But really, we're talking about remembering, keeping it in mind, right? Because it's so easy to forget the amazing truth that Christ is in us and these other truths that uh, are very meaningful about um, the Christian life being a a grace walk and not a legalistic self-effort walk. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about Colossians 1, 
27, to them God willed to make known, that's our first word there, what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Awesome. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, notice the importance of our focus, of our mindset. It says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In other words, if I allow my mindset, my focus to be on my hurt feelings, my circumstances, um, what society is doing, then I'm going to, to lose the joy, the peace, the intimacy with the Holy Spirit. But if I set my mind on the Spirit, meaning who I am in Christ and who He is in me, then it says that there will be life, we would say abundant life, there will be peace, supernatural peace. So this is more of the daily outworking of this process, right, Mark, of knowing and reckoning and yielding and then walking it out, keeping these things in mind. There's so much more we could say about that. It's open-ended in terms of these wonderful truths of the podcast and, and especially the New Testament epistles. There's a couple of other things that we should focus on, and I'll read all of these, and then you can maybe point out a couple of things that might be helpful for our listeners. But you know, we can all, we also need to focus on your freedom from sin's authority, focus on your freedom from the law's condemnation, focus on your stewardship under grace, focus on your new identity, and we've talked a lot about that on the podcast, and then focus on your purpose in suffering. So what is maybe one or two things that jump out at you when we read about those focuses that you think people should understand? And these are kind of a bouquet of certain ones that are meaningful to us that we put in the seminar. But as you look at Romans chapter 6, followed by 7 and 8, we see um, in the next verses that we're not under sin's authority. And that's a big deal. It mentions it about four times. Uh, We are freed from sin's authority. Now we can walk in newness of life because we have the Holy Spirit's enablement. In Romans chapter 7, we're not under the law's tyranny of, you know, I'm trying to do what I um, want to do, but I'm constantly failing because I believe this was also during Paul's time in Arabia where he's trying to figure out how to live this grace life with a Pharisee background. So whenever you and I try to live this life under a law mentality, in our own strength, we end up right at the end of Romans 7, oh, miserable person that I am, who will deliver me? So aren't you glad for Romans 8, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ? And our purpose in suffering Romans has some important things to say about that too, doesn't it? Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, he is trustworthy. Back to your theme of Mm -hmm. being able to trust him. Yeah, and I think if I would say to people, please don't stop at verse 28, but read 29 too, uh, that he's conforming you into the image of his son. And so not everything that you think that good may be for the good in which you define it, that good is possibly and more likely that good which is conforming you into the image of Jesus. You know, not all good things are used to really conform us because we don't tend to be conformable during that, right? It's it's usually more during the harder times of life when that molding becomes uh, a little bit more. It's interesting, Mark, that in Romans chapter 7, the Holy Spirit is not mentioned. But then Romans 8, so much of it is about the Holy Spirit who takes the truth that we're talking about in terms of the Romans road of chapter 6 and makes it experiential because it's a grace walk, it's by faith, it's by His power. And so we just summarize the walk as the focus of the walk, 
you know, keep setting your mind on these wonderful grace truths and the fellowship of the walk, which is the Holy Spirit as your enabler and the awareness of Jesus himself being your source of life. So we're never alone, are we? Right. We have his fellowship. And I trust that as we've summarized the Romans road this way, that we can ask ourselves, have I started on that road? Have I traversed it? Though I know Christ not only is my Savior and Lord, but as my life. And I believe that these ways of summarizing Romans 6 really show us a very meaningful and practical way of appropriating Christ as our very life. Amen. Amen. Well, it's usually at this time that we have a glimpse of grace. And before we hit the record button, you were uh, talking about one of those. And so share that with us. Well, I mentioned at the beginning of the recording that our friend John Van Gelderen sent us a copy of his book on Romans 6 to 8. And he mentions himself that this passage of Scripture, um, he had over the years learned more about what it really meant. And of course, I hope that's true of all of us. But he says um, that the Lord graciously awakened me to the understanding that grace was the Spirit enabling me to live for God. In other words, it's not just forgiveness. Followed by a few years by an awakening to the person of the Holy Spirit. As the Spirit testified of the Son, Jesus Christ, became so much more real to me. In this time of personal spiritual awakening, Galatians 2.20 exploded across my heart. Soon this illumination spread like a sunrise to Romans 6, then later to Romans 8. And he goes on to talk about um, how his personal revival was based on these very truths that we're talking about today. So, uh, Brother John and his ministry is called Revival Focus, and we're so grateful that he's preaching these truths um, in his various uh, um, conferences that he does uh, here in other countries. Amen. Well, that's so good. Well, thank you guys for listening today, and I hope that this was something that was profitable to you. And again, if we can help you, please reach out. Hello at gracefellowshipinternational.com. Thank you for listening to Glimpses of Grace. We pray today guided you into a more complete and victorious identity in Christ. If you would like more information about Grace Fellowship International, please visit us online at www.gracefellowshipinternational.com. If you would like to contact us, please send us an email, hello at gracefellowshipinternational.com. We hope you have a great day.